This is Kieran with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is Thursday morning, and it is running with Alana and Laz. However, Alana is not with us. I think she may be listening in this morning. Um, she worked awfully late last night, as some of you know. She does baby care, and uh, one of the babies kept her up very late last night, and um, so... Actually, Laz, we hope she's sleeping this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she is. She'll I have hope a, so. You know, she'll listen to the recording. Yeah, everything. that'd be good. Although I miss my partner. I was actually thinking about putting a picture of Alana right here on the chair. That'd so, be- <laughs> you know, so I could have my partner there. Yeah. Maybe we should get a cardboard cutout of her. That's right. <laughs> that'd be good. Car- that's what we should do for all of us, cardboard yeah. cutouts. So, so when we you can't, can't make it, <laughs> yeah. you know, we get to sit in the chair there. Well, we missed you on Saturday yeah, for the open house. Um, Sorry about that. You were running the um, storybook, uh, Christmas the Christmas story, story run, run yeah. and you were dressed up as Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Was you it? Know, it was a, it was a crowd. I think there was like nine thousand runners there. Yeah, and they wow. changed. Um, most of the course was the same, but they do a five k and a ten k. Started at um, right on Public Square, right in front of the casino or the old Higby building, and. Uh, you know, ran from there. The 5K finishes right in front of the house, and that's the turn for the 10K. So, like I said, 9,000 runners. It was just phenomenal weather for the race. It's the third year now that that I've ran the Christmas Story Run. Um, My youngest daughter, Sam, she ran with me. Of course, we do a quick tour of the house, so that was kind of nice. Got our pictures, you know, underneath the sink and everything. Yeah. 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 Although, you know, Randy under there versus me under there, that was a little, (laughs) I didn't fit well. Um, Plus, you know, after running a 5K, you're kind of tired. So I almost felt like I got stuck under there. But, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, this year uh, my goal was to do 50 races, and, and I hit that with this race on Sunday. Uh, but you know, that last month of running, I just kind of felt it, you know, turn 55 and 50 races and you know, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. So. But, but you're not giving up and, there, and that's the right. good thing. But one of the things we talked about before we went on the air, um, is that, you know, you have to listen to your body mm-hmm. and that really is important. And we're going to get more into that once you introduce your guest, because, um, if we don't listen to our bodies, uh, we're not going to be able to do the things that we want to do. And it's not just running. Um, because if all you're doing is running, you're not going to be enjoying your family. Right. And part of your family is your grandson, um, who you talked about earlier, uh, was coughing all over you and maybe, um, sort of uh, compromised your immune system this past month. Slightly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I paid for that, too. Yeah. So. <laughs> but so, that's okay. You know, if, if he's the one that did it, totally fine with that. You know, I'll just right. I'll work through it. But you, want to, but you want to enjoy him as well. And so um, maybe slowing down on the running is okay a little bit and maybe not making, you know, the best times in your running <coughs> is all right. Because as you yeah. said, you didn't get, you know – the fastest times in the last couple races, but you at least ran. Right. Well, you know, I mentioned too, I was part of that Hermes Challenge series. So I finished the last race was Sunday, which is you know, was the reindeer run in Lakewood. Um, by that time, I had already really finished first in my age group. So I knew at that point, you know, the last couple races, I'm just going to do it for fun, you know, not really try to push hard. And, and you know, because when you're running a 5K, and I'm sure, you know, John knows this, my guess, but. You know, when you're running a race and you're running hard, you know, you, you're just not really aware of, like, all the surroundings because you're so focused on doing that race. A lot of times people will say, oh, you know, the, you know, the downtown skyline or running by the Christmas story house had to be absolutely amazing. Like, well, you know, when you're in that last mile <laughs> and you're breathing hard and you're just trying to finish that race, you're just not thinking about that, you know? Absolutely. Because they ask me about the music, too, because, you know, everybody wears music. You don't, you don't even hear it, you know, because you're just so focused on that running and, and breathing and just getting to the finish line. Um, and then once you get to that finish line, you're like, yes, I'm done. So Absolutely. <laughs> that was good. Well, you mentioned your, your guest, John, who looks awfully familiar to me. And I have to ask, John, well, were you at the pumpkin run? Uh, no. 
No. Up no. in Brunswick? When was you, that? In Brunswick? August, no. Or October, no. sorry. No. Okay. Because I've been at a number of runs. <laughs> I haven't run any 5Ks yet, but there are quite a few people my age and older who run, and so I'm assuming that you are right around my age, and I'm lucky enough to be 67 and a half years young. He must have been a good-looking fella, whoever he was. <laughs> ah, well, you are a good-looking fella. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, no modesty by this guy, huh? <laughs> so how long have you been running? I've been running for uh, 60 years. 60 years. 60 years. So oh, you started oh. out of the womb? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 73. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I just, you know, it's like the fountain of youth. When I met John was probably, I think, like probably three years now. I met him through the Medina County Roadrunners Club, which I became a part of. And it's right around when I injured my Achilles. And, you know, John posts a lot of stuff about nutrition and shoes, what type of shoes to wear, just different things and kind of throws it out there for the community, mainly in Medina County. Uh, things that they should be thinking about. John is an, an avid reader. I'll let him, you know, talk about those things. But I just reached out to John about, you know, my Achilles injury and kind of what he had thought. And he just he gave me some good advice and, and everything. And you know, from shoes, like I said, to nutrition, to you know, balancing the running and and heart rate training, all these different types of things. He even did a session for the. Um, uh, Medina County Roadrunners at one of their monthly meetings about heart rate training. Um, that to me is, you know, because um, I'll let him talk about that. But with the heart rate stuff, I had mentioned it in one of my uh, one of my shows with Alana was that people don't realize when you're doing heart rate training and you're supposed to stay at a certain percentage of your max heart rate, you almost feel like you're walking. You know, like, well, I can't be doing good. You know, this can't be good for me yeah. just to be walking and keeping my heart rate at this certain level but they don't realize if you're working hard all the time it actually has a counter effect on you know your physical being and what you do because you're not giving yourself time to recover so you know i i truly believe a lot in in the heart rate training and keeping your you know keeping yourself at a certain level so but like i said john was you know instrumental in kind of talking me through a little bit of my injuries so um John, do you want to kind of talk about, you know, your background? I know, like you said, you've been running for 60 years now. And it's hard to believe I've been running for 60 years. Something <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> wow. It goes by like, like this, doesn't wow. it? <laughs> and I'm just going to start running. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? You're never too late to start well, running. Absolutely. And, and that's what I truly, truly believe. When I started running in uh, 1958, uh, freshman in high school, I started road running actually in 1960. And uh, I became friends with a guy named Dr. George Sheehan. I don't know if uh, you ever I've heard, heard of the him. name, yeah. You ever heard of the name? He's written probably two dozen books. He's dead now. But he, uh, he had a hiatus between his college years and uh, his road years. So there was about a 20-year gap in there where he was in medical school and otherwise pretty busy. But he was a very good... Uh, college miler. He ran for Manhattan College in, in New York City in the Bronx. And uh, anyway, there was a 20-year gap in there. And he came back. It took him maybe six to 12 months to come back to, to the point where I could barely beat him. And I was 18 years old, and he was like 45, 50. So uh, that hiatus didn't bother him much, mm -hmm. apparently. And I'm sitting here worried about not running from December 3rd through the end of the year, thinking I'm going to lose so much fitness. <laughs> Forget about but it. But it actually, I think it, it. Actually, I think it helps when you give yourself that time to yeah. rest. You come back stronger. Sure. You know, so. Alberto Salazar was a, uh, won the New York City Marathon, and actually held the world record in the marathon at one time. He's a coach of the uh, Nike Oregon uh, project. And uh, one of his athletes is uh, Mo Farah. And Mo Farah takes two months off every year. And that's pretty common for uh, Kenyan runners, actually. Mm -hmm. But, uh, of course, Mo Farah is a Brit. But he takes, uh, uh, he runs in uh, six-month cycles. And one month of those six months is completely off. He does nothing. Gains 20 pounds, loafs around, lies on the couch, gets fat. <laughs> Does nothing. And My life every back. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And this guy has like four Olympic gold medals. So, uh, matter of fact, this year I took July off. I was feeling kind of run down, so mm -hmm. I took the whole month off, did nothing. Came back. In high school, actually, I took uh, 10 weeks off the whole summer and came back within a week or two, I was fine and dandy. Do you think that has part of that is, you know, it, the youth, it seems like it's easier to come back versus when you're, when you're older, you know, because I think what happens when you're young, you can come back and almost jump right back into what your training was. Yeah. But when you're older, I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes. Because one of the things on, on the Roadrunners, you know, reading different posts, I had seen a few people that, you know, just started running. And their goal was to do a half marathon within like six months, oh, yeah. you know, and then all you read is like yeah. they're injured, sure. you know, because they're trying to jump up in that mileage so fast. I guarantee you know? an injury in yeah. that case. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, with age, what happens is that it's tougher to recover. Uh, recovery takes a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, in high school, I used to be able to run uh, doubles, run twice a day. But now that I'm 73, um, Jeff Galloway, who's another famous author, he's uh, an Olympic uh, marathoner, he recommends for guys my age that we run once or twice a week. That's it? That's it, yeah. Wow. I mean, that can't be more than 10, 10 miles a week, right? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't think, yeah. and, you know, most... At, at my age. Well, well, a lot of your yeah. running, though, is speed work, isn't it? Yeah. You're mainly just, doing speed versus, you yeah. know, slow distance or anything. I'm kind of an aberration mm -hmm. uh, because uh, people say, oh, you're 73, you should be, you know, walking around the block two or three times. But I'm running probably five or six days a week, and it's almost all speed. So my, my typical workout, if you want to hear it, sure. Uh, is, sure. is uh, I go over to the rec center. I love the rec center, Medina Rec Center. And uh, they have great treadmills over there. Uh, they have a woodway treadmill, which I got curious one time, and I priced it out on the Internet. It's a $20,000 treadmill. Wow. It's uh, the top-of-the-line treadmill. So I get to use this uh, top-of-the-line treadmill, and uh, to give seniors a break on, on, uh, on the fees, it's $114 a year for me because I'm over 65. So for $114. That's a good trade-off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for $114 it a year, that's barely 30 cents a day. Right. I'm on this $20,000 treadmill. No, you can't take a shower for 30 cents. <laughs> right. Right? So anyway, I get over there on the treadmill, and uh, I always warm up, of course. It's very important to warm up and to cool down because the body doesn't like shocks. And What's your warm-up consist of? Uh, basically, it's just a v very slow five-minute jog. Okay. Just a little bit above a walk. And then I get into my, my workout. I don't have a, any set schedule, but it works out to be pretty much the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's uh, interval work. So I'll sprint for 200 meters and then walk for 100. Sprint for 200, walk for 100. And I do that for about 40 minutes. And then I cool down for about five minutes. Just walk around. Mm -hmm. And then I get into, um, I use the machines over there. Use the uh, leg press, uh, hip abductor machine. Uh, it really pays to strengthen your hips yeah. because the hips act like kind of a shock absorber. And if you don't have any muscles in your hips, then all of the weight of, of, uh, of the run goes right down to your joints, and that's how you get injured. Sure. So I've been working on the hip abductor machine for about three years, the leg press, and I've got about four or five other machines <coughs> that I use over there. <coughs> That's good because one thing I noticed too, the older that I've, I've gotten, is that it takes me much longer to warm up. And yeah. a lot of times before a race, people will just not even warm up. And the, you know, I think what causes injuries too is they overstretch before the race. You see people just doing these yeah. you know, crazy looking stretches before I don't do a run. Any stretching at all. Yeah, that's what they tell you that you really, yeah. it should be more static than anything. Maybe some jumping jacks, you know, swing your legs or whatever to yeah. hopefully loosen up the hips and things like that. But I think what, what, I think ultimately caused my Achilles injury was overstretching. You know, the hands up against the wall, stretch your calves <laughs> out as much as you can, and overstretching the the um, Achilles before a race. Sure. You know, part of it too is just jumping to hill running or whatever. But and shoes, you know, that's one of the discussions you and I have had a lot about is the different types of shoes to wear. So. Yeah. 
You know, one of the things that I learned, because um, I just joined um, a gym, because uh, I have silver sneakers, and so, oh, yeah. um, you know, which is a great thing, especially for seniors who want to, you know, get their workout in. Uh, silver sneakers basically gives you free membership just about anywhere. Um, so I thought I had running shoes. I was so excited. Um, got these about two years ago after uh, a leg injury, but I was told that they were too stiff for me. Um, but I went in and they s looked at the, my shoes and they said, you can't use these on the treadmill. And I said, why? They're, you know, running shoes. They said, no, they're trail shoes and they uh -huh. will ruin the treadmill. And I looked at them and I said, but they were sold to me as running shoes. And they said, right. too bad. <laughs> you so I was glad that I actually had gone in, you know, my first appointment there with wearing the shoes yeah. because I would have gone in and worn the shoes. And if I would have ruined the treadmill, I would have had to have paid a price for them. So now I know, you know, what to look for, which before even doing this show, <coughs> You know, with you and Alana, I didn't know the difference between shoes. I mean, I just thought tennis shoes, walking shoes, trail yeah. shoes, I thought they were all the same. And obviously they're not. The wrong shoes can, can really damage you. Uh, back in the old days, <coughs> early 60s, uh, when I started road running, um, we didn't have the big, thick, sh cushioned, padded shoes that you have today. And... The problem with the big shoes is that uh, the foot doesn't have what's called proprioception. Proprioception is communication between the nerve endings and the soles of your feet and your brain. So uh, every time you take a step, the brain gets a message as to what you're trying to do, where you are on the earth. And But if you've got a lot of padding down there, <clears throat> got a lot of rubber between you and the road, uh, that message is muffled. And it's not a clear message. So the brain doesn't know what you're doing, what you're trying to do. It tries to adjust to what it thinks you're doing. But you've got so much rubber down there that it can't tell. So that's how you get injured. The brain tries to adjust as you're walking and running along. But sometimes it guesses right, sometimes it guesses wrong. Right. The, the concept of proprioception is probably best explained by uh, if you put your put your hand on a hot stove. What happens? You don't stop and think. Oh, am I going to burn myself, or should I pull my hand back? Or I'm starting to smell smoke. This is, <laughs> bad, this is a bad sign. No, you put your hand down, and boom! Right away, within a nanosecond, <clears throat> you snap back because the message goes to the brain that you're in trouble, and the brain tries to protect you from burning yourself and it adjusts your muscles and, you know, your arm gets snapped back and whatever. That's proprioception. But when you have too much rubber down there on your shoe, it, it muffles that communication. And again, the brain doesn't know, doesn't know how to react. In the old days, we didn't have big, thick shoes and we didn't have nearly as many injuries as you have today. Uh, the shoes that we had were just like a, a bedroom slipper, you might say just a thin piece of leather, mm -hmm. and uh, that, that was it. No heel, uh, no arch support, no nothing, basically, just protection from glass and rocks and so on. It reminds and me of that. We had no injuries. It reminds me of the movie Prefontaine that I saw, and was it Bill Bowerman, who I think does, who created Nike, his original shoes that he made, he made on his wife's waffle iron. Oh, yeah. You know, poor rubber in the waffle iron. Yeah. That was the shoe. That was the sole of the shoe. We didn't even have that. Yeah. yeah. We had a that, was, that was the good thing. Right? Yeah, that was the high tech. Yeah. yeah. He had a thin piece of leather. And I swear to God, nobody was injured. Yeah. So. That's what I was going to, because I remember you and I having that conversation because, you know, there's so many varying degrees of shoes out there that people don't, because I need a mo much more flexible shoe and, and I was kind of running in the wrong thing. I just turned around and went to, you know, a pretty basic flat Nike running shoe anymore and it feels great. 
you know, I don't feel injured at all. I feel, you know, I feel good. Now on longer runs, I'll wear a little bit of a thicker shoe. But I think what happens a lot of times is people get used to wearing one specific shoe. Like, I can't live with that. You know, whether it's a Nike or Brooks or Adidas, and they try to stick with it. But they don't realize that from model to model to model, there's varying degrees of differences. They could go the exact same running shoe that they had, the newer model could be stiffer. So, you know, they wear it, they get injured, and they're like, I don't know why I'm injured. It's the same shoe that I've always... No, it could be different. Right. You know, the, the heel to toe could be different. And they don't realize maybe it's a lower drop, so it's stretching their Achilles a little bit more. All these things that they need to think about. But I like John's, you know, comment to me was always... Back in the day, we didn't have all these different running <laughs> yeah. shoes, and we didn't get injured like we are injured now. And we didn't do any stretching either. Right. <laughs> now, do you use an orthotic in your shoes? I don't. You no, don't? No, because I always kind of felt like, you know, my gait is actually pretty good because when I did injure my Achilles, they put me on that treadmill test to see how my gait was. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, so I don't really need anything for that. Um but no, I, I always kind of feel like if you wear something that changes your natural running, that is what actually causes the injury. That's right. You know, and yeah. y- there's always a shoe out there that can compensate for this or that. But I think just, you know, practice on, like John does all kinds of speed work. Speed work actually, I think, helps your mechanics because it teaches your brain to run how you really should. I mean, we've been running for millions of years. You know, but it seems like everybody's trying to change their mechanics on, on how they to run more efficiently and all these things. But it's like when you look at even watching, you know, um, professional marathoners or watching those races, you watch them run in slow motion. Virtually, when you see that lead pack of about seven to ten runners, their form, they all look the same because they just, you know, they do this all the time and, you know, they, they practice at it. But, you know, obviously they're, a lot of those guys look tall, but most of them are, are fairly short and thin. You know, that's probably why they can run pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I think a lot of people spend so much time worrying about the shoe when they probably need to worry more about the mechanics and just get a basic shoe, you know. Yeah. Go yeah. and get a, like an old Nike if you can find it on eBay <laughs> from 1970. You know, you know, a good shoe today is hard to find. It is, yeah. It is. You try to find a minimalist shoe today, and you'll you'll be out of luck. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I I uh, I bought a lot of shoes a few years ago, so I've got a good supply for me. <laughs> <laughs> as long as your foot doesn't change. Yeah, yeah. I had plantar fasciitis uh, a few years ago, and I tried everything. I bought all kinds of gadgets and went to doctors, and nothing helped. So finally. It came down to the shoes. And I've fallen into that trap of uh, wearing a big shoe at that time. So I figured maybe maybe the shoe is causing the plantar fasciitis. So I got into a nice light shoe. Uh, Asics Piranha is what I used. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, when I made that switch, I couldn't run at all. So I started running in the Asics Piranha. And uh, I could only run for five minutes the first day before the pain kicked in. I said, okay, so five minutes. Second day, I went a little longer. Third day, a little longer, a little longer. After a couple of weeks, I was running fine and dandy. I was running up for two hours with no pain. Nice. Just because I made that change into a minimalist shoe. Mm-hmm. I got away from the big clunky, big clunky cushion shoes. Do you do any barefoot running at all? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I've read a lot of stories about the the benefits of not all the time because you know yeah. that's a, the other thing people do is they're running in a, a, a you know a stable shoe and a highly cushioned shoe and then they just all of a sudden just I'm going to go out and run two miles barefoot or in a minimalist shoe and they get injured because yeah. their body hasn't had a chance right. to adapt to that. Um, you got to ease into it eventually, you know, yeah. uh, gradually. Um, they don't allow barefoot running at the rec center. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I found that out through That's here. Yeah. <laughs> mama don't allow no barefoot running around here. Mama don't allow no barefoot running around here. I don't care what mama don't allow, gonna run barefoot anyhow. <laughs> well, you know, a so good place to do it is a golf course. Yeah. Because yeah, the yeah. grass is, you know. Well, pick any high school track and you can run uh, on the infield on the grass. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. You can do that. Or sometimes I go out to Hinkley. 
and I run the horse trails out there uh, barefoot. That's uh, just got to watch where you're running if you're yeah. running the horse trails. Well, that's <laughs> a but a lot of people think that uh, when when you take off your shoes, you go blind. That's uh, not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can still see what's ahead of you. That's true. <laughs> right. So yeah, Hinkley's very good. Uh, I uh, I run out at Leicester too. Leicester Rail Trail. Do you know where that is? Mm-hmm. Not sure where that is. That's out on 18. It's about a 10-minute drive from uh, Medina Square. Uh, problem running barefoot out there is that there's lots of rocks out there. It's kind of a gravelly kind of thing, and that's that's tough. Yeah. The ideal surface for barefoot running is uh, Hinkley Horse Trails, uh, which is uh, dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, plus you got the hills in there too. You feel like a Kenyan almost out there. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was thinking when you're talking about barefoot running because. You know, the Africans are, you know, run barefoot, and they seem yeah. to have that longer stride and faster running pace. Sure. You know, and yeah. is that because they can feel the ground easier? Well, frankly, it's because they can't afford a $200 shoe. Well, you know? okay, <laughs> I, I get that too. You know? but, yeah. but I would think feeling the ground, you yeah. know, is more stabilizing yep. than in a shoe that... Maybe your foot is slipping and sliding in. Um, I know when I when I decided that I was going to do the couch to 5K and I started walking, um, in even in my trail shoes, um, I live in a condo subdivision and we have trails. And I started walking the trails. And I wasn't thinking about that in the fall the trails were going to be sl- slippery. Yeah. Uh, but I was watching where I was walking, and I was realizing that I had to pay attention to the ground. I had to consciously <clears throat> feel the ground under my feet as I was walking. And it was the first time, I think, in my entire life that I had to concentrate on what the ground felt like, which was amazing to me. But at the same time, I kept thinking, if I was running... Would I actually pay attention to that? Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely you would. Uh, the gaze is probably about 40 yards ahead. So you're running along and you're in- anticipating what's coming up. And uh, I remember one time I was running at the track at uh, Claggett, uh, Claggett Junior High in Medina. And I was doing some barefoot running on the uh, infield, on the grass. And there were two students from across the street, uh, Claggett uh, Junior High, and they were actually running on the track. So I said, well, maybe I'll run on the track too, barefoot. I got on that track, it was just pins and needles. It's impossible to even walk on that. So I stopped them and I said, how do you run on this track like that? Oh, no problem, (laughs) no problem at all, because they're used to it, doing it every day. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was one of the, when you had, when we had talked about the shoes, and I had read an article about Ed Whitlock, and I'm sure you mm. you know who that is. He was a um, re- just recently passed away, but I think at 85 years old, he ran a sub three hour marathon at sub 85 four. sub four. Yeah, 356. Yeah. Or at 85 years old. Yeah. You know, and the shoe he was wearing looked like it was a shoe from the 70s. And it, I think it actually had tape on the bottom yeah. of it. Yeah. But he used to cut across the shoes at certain points to make it just a little bit more flexible. Yeah. He said, I've had this shoe for like 20 years. Yeah. And that was the shoe that he ran in, you know, 85 years old. When I did the, the reindeer run on uh, Sunday, there was a gentleman there, 86 years old ran the race and he ran it in i think like 29 minutes which is you know sub 10 minute miles for a 5k at 86 years old i told and there was a a lady there too i think she was like 72 and she ran in 26 something which was you know two minutes faster than i was i looked at my daughter i'm like I just feel embarrassed now, you know, <laughs> so that, you know, see now it's few and far in between when you get, you know, speed of runners at, at that age, but it can be done, you know, as long as you, you stay with it, it's all about consistency. I think, yeah. you know, you just can't flip flop, you know, one year gain 40 pounds or whatever younger. Yeah. Because it's easier to drop, but the older you get the metabolism, metabolism slows way down. You don't drop the weight as right. much. Yeah. It's just all about consistency. Well, and I think one of the things that we've talked about, too, is that 
many of us are doing it not necessarily to win the race to be number one. We're doing it to be number one for ourselves, mm -hmm. to to stay in shape, to feel good about ourselves. Um, you know, when I chose to do this, it's to prove to myself that I can. Uh, when I do my first 5K, um, it's to prove that I can get across that finish line, whether I crawl, roll, or run across it. Um, and when I first talked to Alana about running, uh, back in July, my first comment was, why the heck would anybody ever want to run? It looks painful. <laughs> it looks tiring. It lo you look miserable. And yet now, preparing for it, I mean, it excites me, okay? Riding my stationary bike every single night, you know, six to nine miles a night. I can't wait to do that every day. I mean, I'm energized, um, you know, and walking that treadmill, I'm energized. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, I can't be out in the cold walking because, you know, of, of certain f physical ailments. Come the spring, I mean, it's going to be, like, the biggest thing for me to be outside. My first real walk in the rain this fall. Um, I took pictures of myself looking like a drowned rat <laughs> because it was exciting for me. Uh, experiencing nature. Um and so I can understand why you've been running all these years. Yeah. Um, when you're in shape, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, but when you're not in shape, it's not so much fun. But, get, but getting in shape, and yeah. we all can do it, yeah. okay? It takes one step yeah. and then a second step. Um, and we all don't have to do 5Ks, okay? Yeah. We can all walk to our mailbox. And there's so much information available today. I mean, YouTube, books, there are thousands of books on this subject. Uh, there's, you know, lots of help. What's your advice to, you know, the, the older runner, somebody that really hasn't had a lifetime of running and, you know, maybe want to start to get into a program? Because to me, the human body is just phenomenal. You know, it repairs itself from, you know, any type of injury as long as you, you know, you kind of take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. But, he, you know, the guest we had on last week, um, you know, Dominic, he started running at a little bit older age. And <coughs> he's running, you know, low or high 16 minutes for a 5K. And he wow. never really did, you know, high school running or anything like that. So, I mean, it can be done. Maybe that's few and far in between. But, yeah. um, you know, just people that are, you know, sitting on the couch – you know, maybe listening and thinking, you know what, I want to get out and try that. You know, yeah. what, what would you, you know, say to somebody like that? I tell you, it wouldn't hurt you to do the Lydiard program. Lydiard uh, uh, broke his year in two parts, kind of like Salazar. And uh, the first three months or so, nothing but long, slow stuff, long, slow distance. Uh, so maybe an hour a day, up to two hours a day, but very slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, wear the heart rate monitor, keep it under 75% of max, which implies that you're going to be doing a lot of walking, but it's going to keep that heart rate down, and you're going to be able to cover the distance or spend the time out there. So three months of that. Then uh, Lydiard recommends like four weeks of hill training where you cut back on the distance, but you increase the intensity in terms of hills. So you run like two to three hill workouts a week mm -hmm. and that's sprint uphill walk downhill sprint uphill walk downhill and the purpose of that is to get your muscles your leg muscles primarily in shape for the upcoming speed work and the last part is uh, 10 weeks of speed work and that implies a couple of times on the track a week uh, doing 200s 100 100 yard dashes that kind of thing and then you have the race of the year at the end of that uh, six-month period. Could be a marathon, could be a 5K. Right. You know. Uh, so that's a good approach. Uh, but I kind of like your idea of uh, racing every weekend. Yeah. But but during the I, week, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but during the week you got to cool it. Yeah. See, for me, I'm a I'm very much a low distance runner. 
You know, I will maybe run at the most 20 miles a week. Yeah. And I think part of that is because I do a lot of races. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't do any speed work or anything like that, or hills, just because even during the races, you're going to find hills in, in a lot of the races that you do, 50%. You know, most of what I do is downtown Cleveland, so you're running up the West Third Hill or, you know, whatever hill it ends up being. So I just kind of always felt like the amount of races that I do, if, if I even do, like, speed work throughout the week, that's just going to be too much, and my body is just not going to be able to recover. Yeah, you're going to break down if you do yeah. too much speed work. Now, I think 50 was probably too many because, like I said, I know that last month, the probably the last – you know, four to six races, I just did not, did not have it. Sure. You know, I knew as soon as I hit the starting line, I'm like, this is just not going to go well. You're burned out. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. take a month off. Yeah. And that was, yeah. you know, one thing I read an article too, <clears throat> probably, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, they talked about runner's burnout and, you know, people don't realize, and, and, you know, people had said, you know, just, something's wrong with me. I'm tired. I, I don't have a lot of energy. Yeah. I can't do my runs like I used to. They go to the doctor. They get all kinds of you know blood work done. Everything looks normal, yeah. you know. And it all ended up being most likely is runner's burnout, which they say could take almost like a year to recover from that. I'm a great believer in uh, measuring things. In management, they say if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So I have what's called a pulse oximeter. Pulse oximeter. Matter of fact, I have it with me. Pulse oximeter allows you to take your pulse first thing in the morning while you're still in bed so you don't get up. And um, here it is right here. Stick your finger in there, and it gives you your pulse while you're in bed. Mm -hmm. So my resting uh, pulse rate is 47. So if I see one morning that I'm at 57, I take that day off. Right. Because I know that the heart is working too hard. I'm way over my resting pulse rate, and I need to take some time off. And it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that because I, I was kind of doing the same thing with a heart rate monitor. And, yeah. the you know, knowing that because my heart rate's relatively low. A few years back, I went to just, you know, normal doctor's visit. My heart rate, resting heart rate was like 42. And like, oh, wow. something's wrong with you. You know, so they order an EKG, and it's and, and I'm telling them like I'm a runner. It's probably going to be lower than than most. They wanted to do like a you know the treadmill test, everything, and they did because they kind of scared me too, you know. Wow. And it ultimately ended up being that yeah, my heart rate is just naturally lower than people. Even my max heart rate is is naturally lower, but that's a big advantage. Yeah, and you know, but. You know, they scare you, and they scare most people by saying that, not realizing that. And this was probably like 15 years ago, and I was running a lot then. So now I know. I always tell the doctor, new doctor, whatever, I'm like, hey, I'm a runner. My heart rate's naturally going to be lower. When I, It has dropped below 40 at times when I'm laying in bed, you know, and I have my heart rate monitor yeah. on. So, yeah. But I know this, and I know that's just generally what's going to happen with me. Uh, but a lot, you're right, because if I'm measuring it, and it's typically in the low 40s, yeah. and then you know, sometimes maybe in the low 50s, I know I'm working too hard, and I just I got to take some time off to help, help recover. Absolutely. So, I had an employee physical one time, and uh, uh, I was on the job about uh, one or two days, and I got this panic call from uh, employee health. Employee health had uh, drawn blood and given me a physical and so on. And uh, the nurse said, uh, you've, you've just had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. You've just had a heart attack. I said, what do you mean? I'm still here. I'm healthy as a horse. I run, you know, 100 miles a week or whatever, you know. And she says, oh, you're a runner. Oh, okay. That explains everything. Because what happens is when you run, your muscles break down. And, of course, the heart is a muscle. Yep. So you're going to have some breakdown in your heart muscle which would tell the doctor, holy cow, this guy's just had a heart attack. Right. 
So that's yeah. that perfect example. I went to uh, a couple years ago, just went to my doctor and she did an EKG and she's like, we need, she goes, you look like you just had a heart attack or something. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, cause I, f- I felt fine other than I was taking some allergy meds that caused my heart to palpitate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I told her that I said, you know, I took some allergy meds. and I think I'm just, you know, my heart's palpitating from it. It's like, no, she goes, I think, I think there's a problem here. You know, so she sends me to the main campus to have uh, the treadmill test done, the stress test hooked up to all the monitors and everything. As soon as I get on there, the technician, I'm telling her, you know, what the the doctor had said. And she's like, oh, she goes, they just don't know how to read the EKGs. You're fine. You know, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I probably spent two days here worried that I've got a damaged heart or something like that. Because, you know, one of my goals was I wanted to run another marathon. But, you know, I'm kind of done with that. I've ran two and I'm okay with that. Um, But I at least wanted to get looked at to say, you know, everything looks good, you know, just do some appropriate training and it was just I don't know. you know that's why i say you got to go to the you know know your body you know go to the appropriate doctor for what you're trying to do but i also would just love to if i could find like a just a holistic type approach that looks at everything that that you that you do yeah. you know because there isn't I, I don't think there's a lot of more maybe now but you know, locally here, we don't have a lot of sports medicine doctors that really know a lot about running, yep. you know, so. Everybody's into their own specialty. Yes. I used to be, uh, uh, I was a clinic administrator of an Air Force hospital in Albuquerque, uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, and a patient came in to see me one time. I, I have no medical background, just an administrator. We just happened to be chatting. <clears throat> and he had this uh, paper bag with him. And paper bag had about 15 or 20 medicines in there. I said, holy cow, what's this all about? Oh, I go to the cardiologist for this, and I go to the urologist for that, and I go to this, that, and the other. There's, there was no one doctor looking at the big picture. Right. And do these medicines have any, uh, any interactions between them? He didn't know. Right. That's a, yeah. I mean, I mean, technically, I think that's what the primary care doctor is supposed to do. But yeah. it is so hard to to have your care coordinated like it should be. You yeah. know, back in the day, you know, yeah. even when I was a young kid, you went to the one doctor for virtually everything. You know, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of knew your whole history. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I really am a, a believer in that. At least having that one doctor that can kind of manage everything. But I don't know. It's like we were well, talking earlier these days. You know, unfortunately, a lot of what dictates the care is what the insurance company exactly. is willing to pay, you know. So because I've, I've actually had a doctor tell me that it's no, you can't have this test because, you know, the, the insurance says they're not going to pay for this because you have to have this, this and this done first. He goes, well, he goes, but ultimately we are going to do this test. We just need to have, you know, proof that we've tried these other things. I'm like, so it actually costs more. Exactly. Because we can't just skip and go right to this test. <laughs> we talked about Ed Whitlock before. Ed, Ed Whitlock is a friend of mine. I went up to see him. I ran the Mississauga Marathon in Toronto a few years ago, and I went over to his house. We had a long chat. And uh, he hasn't seen a doctor since World War II, or hadn't at that time. Right. He's dead now. Right. But he, you know, he went to 86, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And no doctor between World War II and two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what kind of, you know, what kind of foods and stuff that, that he eat, you No know? special diet. I asked him specifically about that. Nothing. Yeah, but there was probably certain things that he probably stayed away from, though, you know. I'm sure he didn't go to McDonald's every day to eat, like, burgers and fries. Maybe he did. I don't know. He was thin as a rail, I'll tell you <laughs> I know. that. I don't know what his percentage body fat was. I bet it was down around 3%. Well, you know, it's interesting how you were talking about, you know, this person had a bag full of medication, um, and saw numerous doctors. Today, with everything being um, computerized, you know, you go, you go to the doctor, and um, and I'll give an example. Um, I see doctors both at Cleveland Clinic and University Hospital. And when you go to the doctor, they ask, you know, to go over your medication. And both hospital systems. Um, do talk to each other and they can verify, oh yeah, you're on these medications, you're on these medications. So they know what medications you're on, but they don't really confirm to say that, ah, you know, you shouldn't 
be on these two different medications, right. okay? Mm-hmm. Occasionally, a doctor will catch it and they'll say, do you know you're taking two of the same medications? And it's like, why aren't you catching this? Why isn't this red flag going off? Why is it when I'm going to the pharmacy to get this filled? Why isn't the pharmacist catching it, okay? I thought that's what this was supposed to be about. Why isn't my insurance company catching it? You know, hate to get on this bandwagon right now, but if I'm trying to be healthy, you know, if I wanna go running, Okay, uh, like I said, I went to my doctor and I said, I want to go, I want to run. Originally, my doctor said, oh, yeah, go run. And I said, well, but the rod from my femur injury is hitting my knee. Oh, just get over it. It was well, like, get <laughs> over it. So I finally found another doctor who said, maybe a little bit of physical therapy. Let's try to figure out if it's really the rod or what it is. Yeah. It wasn't the rod, okay? I The bands in my leg were tight, okay? Yeah. I needed I needed physical therapy to get through that. Once I did, after two and a half years, I wasn't limping anymore. I mm-hmm. could walk. Walking means I can run. Ha, ah, I mean, how terrific is that? But a doctor couldn't figure that out, Yeah. okay? Yeah. I had to switch doctors because I had to talk it through to somebody. Yep. The original doctor wanted to give me more pain meds because the rod was hitting my knee, yeah. and it wasn't the rod. So we, we as individuals have to discuss these things, and that's why we bring them running with Alana and in-laws. That's why we bring people like yourself on who can talk about your experiences so that our listeners can hear, you know what? Maybe I have to have a discussion with my doctor. Maybe my doctor isn't listening to me. Um, maybe my doctor is going to have a new viewpoint after me talking to him or her. And you can do a lot for yourself, too. Don't be shy about asking the doctor or even correcting the doctor. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about saying to the doctor, hey, doc, uh, I don't happen to have any medical problems at the moment, but... I wouldn't have any problem saying, hey, I read on WebMD, da-da-da-da-da-da, and see what his response is, because he's working for you. It's not the right. other way around. And they can't know, and your doctor can't know everything, right. okay? Your doctor is busy, you know, seeing how many patients a day, how long ago did they go to school, okay? And I and sometimes we have to remember those things, too, you know, that... It's not that they're not keeping up with their education, but they went to school how many years ago? Right. They, they, they're not getting updated on everything every single day, and some of the things they're getting updated on, it's because of the medical supply people who are coming in and Absolutely. bringing it to their yeah. attention. Um, so that's why we love having people like yourself coming in here and <laughs> you know, providing us with new options, new challenges. Um, and it, again, if it weren't for Alana and Laz encouraging me that, you know, at my age, I can run. Sure. And seeing the fact that you've been running for 70 years? 60. 60 years. Please, I'm not that old. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm highly I'm sorry. insulted by the whole thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but besides running, you said you're going to play the ukulele? I'm going to play the ukulele. Do you play any instruments run, now, though? And not run at the same time. Oh, yeah. not run at the same Well, that's a good thing. Hello, that's an idea. Hey. Do, an do idea. you play any other instruments no, now, or is that going to no. be the first one? That's the first one. Nice. Yeah. So why the ukulele? Uh, a friend of mine plays the ukulele. And uh, I watched him, and I figured, oh, this, anybody can do this. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like burn. It, it's like brain surgery. It's it's you know rocket science. The the whole thing with the chords and moving the fingers and singing at the same right. time, very difficult. I I think. But that's, it's a challenge. What the hell? I think that's really exciting. And I don't have to pay any entry fees. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and I'll never get plantar fasciitis out of it. <laughs> you might get fingeritis or whatever it's called. <laughs> well, it will help, you know, keep you from getting arthritis in your fingers because yeah. your fingers will keep active, yeah. which is really that really is so true. Yeah. You know, that is just to keep 
you know, keep yourself, keep your, your, you know, even walking because like when I've taken just these three weeks off, I could feel like different things starting to tighten up because I'm not, you know, exercising like I should. And I ultimately, it's going to help me recover or whatever, but you just got to keep moving. Well, know? so when you, Les, when you're saying that you're taking three weeks off, you're not taking three weeks off and just sitting on the couch. Pretty much. No, no, I'm just not, you know, I'm actually, because, you know, favoring the, you know, the injury or whatever, I'm trying to take like, you know, three weeks off from any type of running or even, even walking, you know, because part of that motion, you know, helps aggravate, you know, what I had or whatever. So I just think I need to just stay away from that. Um, I probably, I wanted to, you know, maybe do some swimming or whatever, but I'm, you know, my mind's just telling me, you know what, just don't do anything for three weeks. Yeah. Just, you know, again, it was like the fitness thing. Gosh, I'm going to lose so much fitness. I'm going to lose so much time off my five case. No, you know, it j- just doesn't happen. You'll come you know? right back. Yeah. Yeah. There's muscle memory, you know? Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that you were talking about too was, um, um, we, we were talking about it before, but Dr. You know, Dr. Leo Kormanek, who's my sports uh, therapist doctor, he had talked to me about, it's called a Zufu, it's S-U-F-U mat, and it's got like the little uh, plastic spikes on it. Not, you know, it's not going to cut into your skin or anything, but almost like an acupuncture yeah. type thing. And, and he told me, you know, try to stand on it for two minutes. And the idea is that your feet is actually has the most nerves of your entire body, yep. you know, and barefoot, just standing barefoot on the ground, you know, helps you be one with the earth. Now, I don't, you know, think that way all the time, but it's true. Yeah. You know, your shoes actually block the sensitivity from, you know, your body to the earth. So I stand on this, this mat for, you know, I can't do it for two minutes. The first time I tried it was like 30 seconds. I had to get off of it. But, you know, I actually think that helped, you know, heal my Achilles because it was bringing that sensation down to, down to my feet. And I also lay on the mat too, um, you know, and it just helps with the nerve endings, helps bring blood flow to that particular area. Yep. They say the Achilles is like almost the worst area of your body that just doesn't get any blood flow. Yeah. And blood is actually what heals your body because it brings the, you know, the oxygen to the area, the healing to the area. And that was one of the, like, especially with professional athletes, you know, I've heard stories of where they actually draw blood from your body and shoot it back into that area you know, for the collagen and everything to help repair the Achilles. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, I'm, you know, getting technical or whatever, but it's so true. I mean, you know, you just, d- different types of therapies that the professional athletes have that, right. you know, we don't really have. And that's why they get, you know, they, they rupture their Achilles and they're back yeah. in a year. If we ruptured our Achilles, it would probably take us two years to actually get yeah. back. I don't know if we'd ever get back like 100%, you know. Another good thing to have is... Uh, it's called a Bosu ball, B-O-S-U, and it's it's about the it's about the size of this table. It's a round kind of affair, and it's just like a, a half half a ball. Mm-hmm. You stand on this, and it's inflated, and uh, you stand on it, and you wiggle around a little bit, and it really loosens everything up. Hmm. I do squats on that too, so I'll take uh, two 15-pound uh, barbells and squat like that. That's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. But you can you can do squats without the weight. See, John thinks he's on TV and you can all see him. He's on the radio. We can see him. <laughs> anyway, it's called the Bosu. Yeah, ball. perfect form, by the way. <laughs> and I work out on that almost every day. Yeah. Well, but the point I was trying to make to Laz is that you're taking time off and resting your body, yes. but you are still going to be moving around you're, oh yeah you're not yeah. just lying on the couch and yeah. eating bonbons over the now next couple you know weeks. and i want to get into kind of like a weightlifting program you know maybe lighter weights because you know heavier weights are for bodybuilding lighter weights are for building flexibility you know and one of the things that i've read is is a lot of times people get injured from that because you know they go from lifting 20 pounds up to 150 pounds right away they right. get injured you know and really it's it's you know for for bodybuilding it's all about the range of motion you know, a lot of times people aren't even doing the, you know, the lifting right, and they get injured from that. So just, you know, as I get older, to keep more flexibility um, in my muscles, because as runners, you can feel, you know, where 10, 20 years ago, you were able to sprint pretty easily, you know, 20 years later, 
no, your you know your muscles are tighter. You can't really sprint like you wanted or you know you used to be able to. But I am so encouraged by a lot of these older runners that I see out there, you know, older than me, and they're you know some of them are actually winning races. You know, like I mentioned in my first interview with Alana, Kurt Backus, you know, 50 years old and he's running 17 minute, you know, 5Ks, winning races. You know, and it just it just goes to show you that if you you take care of your body, you eat the right things, you keep yourself stretched. You know, obviously, you know a lot of times the guys that are winning races, they're you know not heavy, they're you know their bodies are you know look like rail thin, and everybody like kind of looks at them. Oh, you look unhealthy. No, that's really probably the way you should look. You right. know? Yeah. Um, but it's just encouraging to see those people, even seventy year olds. You know, out there just winning their age group and, and just doing these types of things. Just it's to, to me, it's just you know, it's well, great. I really encourage this because for the last couple of years, I've been writing blogs for the senior citizen community, and I've been writing it for the adult children of the senior citizen community. And sadly, too many adult children think that their senior parents. Um, really should be sitting around either their home or senior homes basically doing nothing. And the reality of it is seniors have a very long life to live. Mm -hmm. My mother lived to 96 and a half years young. Um, Her last two and a half months, she didn't even know she was dying or ill. Um, Even though she was bedridden and blind, she had no concept of it. And the more active seniors are the happier they are and the more cognitive they are and if you keep yourself moving and keep yourself active um, you know you can live a long healthy life and when I realized that last year when I was with my mom that I was healthy what was I doing if I wasn't going to keep taking care of myself yes I was exercising but I wasn't doing the right exercises. Mm-hmm. And so it was, that's when it dawned on me, hey, you know, I was spending two and a half months with her in indep- at her independent living uh, uh, facility, and it was like, I don't want to end up like some of these people just sitting in a dining room, you know, at 96 right. and a half years old. Yeah. I want to be the one who's running around dancing and doing jumping jacks. Right. And there were some that were doing that. Or maybe running 5Ks. And running 5Ks, yeah, there you go. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so when I realized that I could heal my leg and do that and offer it up to other people, it's like, I'm going to do that. Whether you do mall walking or park further away in the parking lot and walk into the grocery store, whatever it is you can do, or stay in your home <coughs> where you have steps and walk up and down to your bedroom, do what you can do. Make your life the best right. that you can be. Um, you don't have to be relegated to sitting on the couch and being a couch potato. Right. You can do couch to 5K or couch to the grocery store. Jeff, uh, Jeff Galloway is uh, an Olympic marathoner and he's got a very good book on this called uh, Running Until You're 100. Uh, he's got probably 20, 30 books, but uh, that one is, is right on His point. was one of the first books I got back in when I Jeff started Galloway. running in really? 1991. Yeah, I followed the Galloway training method for the first 10K. First race I ever did was the Revco 10K back then in 1991. His was the method that I used. Yeah, the uh, run-walk method. Uh, yeah. Did you walk? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't walk the race at all, you know. But I was. I was surprised with how quick I did the race, you know. Especially never racing before, and I only started running. The race was in May. I started running in February and ran the 10k. But I had dropped. I mean, I was younger then too, so I dropped a lot of weight and just just felt great. But you know, just reading his method and saying okay, because his is kind of like the couch to you know. 5K or whatever you want to call it, yeah. and following that method really helped me. I so. ran the Cleveland Marathon one time, and uh, I, uh, I had read his book, but for some reason I decided I'm going to try the run-walk method mm-hmm. during this marathon, just for the hell of it. I ran my second fastest time. I ran three hours flat. 
Wow. On, on, on run walk. So I, I ran between the water stops. I ran for a mile mm-hmm. and then walked for a minute. Ran for a mile, walked for a minute. It gives your legs a break. Yeah, it's almost like doing like your sprint workouts, you know. Yeah. Do your sprint, yeah. walk a little bit, do your sprint. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, John, I want to thank you, sure. and you know, hopefully, you'll come onto the show again because I know there's a lot of different things that you know we probably didn't even get to talk about that yes. that you know I'd I'd you know, like to pick your brain on. So, sure. and I'm sure everybody else out there too. Everybody sure, kind of goes fun. to John for advice I love through it. <laughs> through the Medina County Roadrunners, you know. <laughs> so it's great. He's very knowledgeable. Reads tons of books i'm sure he you know watches all types of youtube videos i think would actually even coach people if they wanted him to you know coach them so yeah that'd be terrific i also want to remind people that we are a drop-off center for you slightly used running shoes um and we have the drop-off box here is going to charity um so you can donate those shoes here um but give us a call at 440-526-1530 before you drop off the shoes at the station because we are not here 24-7, obviously. Um, but we'd love for you to do that. And um, we also are going to do another show tomorrow, um, another special show. Uh, this show was scheduled a couple weeks ago with Dr. Jennifer Wurst. Um, but due to technical difficulties, we lost that show. So um, Laz is going to do that show um, on behalf of Alana, and Dr. Jennifer Wurst is going to be here. Um, so we're going to do an extra special running with Alana and Laz tomorrow uh, with Dr. Jennifer Wurst uh, tomorrow morning, and we will then replay it uh, again during the week so we can do double coverage because that was newclevelandradio.net's error in losing a show so we apologize again john thank you for being here it's been a lot of fun Um, thank you for having me will you come back and play the ukulele for me well i can't go that far but uh, (laughs) well you can sing irish songs it's quite a challenge i'm telling you it's rocket science i don't know not not as not as easy as running right well we might have him come back and sing irish songs because he told me he can right before right before christmas we'll get him to sing a song for us Right before the holidays. I might even wear a hula dress. Woo! (laughs) Well, everybody have a great day on this Thursday, December the 7th.